Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found, scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today, we're looking for some wisdom and some encouragement to start our week. We're going to be looking at Psalm 40 today, and we're also going to look at Hebrews 10, which is kind of a companion passage in a way, uh, because Hebrews 10 actually makes its point by pulling from Psalm 40. So we're going to read Psalm uh, 40, which is 17 verses. We'll talk about it for a minute. Then we'll go to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll see the familiar language that's used. And then, Lord willing, if we have time, we'll also look at Proverbs 27 this morning. So that is what is on the agenda. Uh, You're probably challenged a little bit this morning. And I just pray that your strength would be, or your faith would be strengthened, and uh, that this work would cause you to start your week well and uh, help you to draw closer to God. So let's start by just reading Psalm 40, King James Bible, and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit here. Let's begin. Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the murray clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praises unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust the Lord. Blessed is that man, that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned upon. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offerings thou dost not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is written within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, 
Aha! Let all those that seek to rejoice and be glad in thee, let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Alright, so that's Psalm 40. Let's make a few notes. Uh, before I get to the main theme and uh, go to Hebrews 10, I just want to point out verse 12 again. Well, verse 11 and 12, David says, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and truth continually preserve me. So he's asking God for mercy, and that God would not withhold, withhold that mercy from him. And here's why. Verse 12, For innumerable evils have compassed me about. So he says, I'm surrounded by evil. And, check this out, my iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. David's saying, my, my shortcomings, my failures, they have come back to get me, right? They have come past. They have, they have taken hold upon me. My iniquities are more than I can number. They're more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. So he's saying, please don't withhold your mercy. Because my iniquities, my shortcomings, they're more than the hairs of my head. I'm surrounded by evil. I need your loving kindness and your truth to continually be upon me. Now, I want to look at the main theme, which is verses 6 through 10 which are the Masonic verses. So you see this a lot in the Psalms where it almost switches to, uh, and if you know the New Testament well, it almost sounds like Jesus is speaking, right? Uh, because a lot of times Jesus quotes these scriptures or the apostles will use them to make the point about the New Covenant and those kinds of things. So if we start with verse 6, Sacrifice and offerings thou dost not desire. My ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is written within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Here's what Matthew Henry says about those uh, four verses. He says, The psalmist foretells that work of wonder redemption by our Lord Jesus Christ. The substance must come, which is Christ, who must bring that glory to God, that grace to man, which it was impossible the sacrifices should ever do. Observe the setting apart of our Lord Jesus to the work of the office of mediator. 
and the volume or roll of the book is written of him. In the closed rolls of the divine creeds and councils, the covenant of redemption was recorded. Also, in all the volumes of the Old Testament, something is written of him. Now, the purchase of our salvation is made. The proclamation is sent forth, calling us to come and accept it. It was preached freely and openly. Whoever undertook to preach the gospel of Christ would be under great temptation to conceal it. But Christ and those he calls to do that work are carried on in it. May we believe his testimony, trust his promise, and submit to his authority. Now the book of Hebrews really kind of adds this, uh, those verses 6 through 10. Uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, he, he, he puts that in there in chapter 10 to help make his point. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 10 real, quiet, real quick, which deals with one sacrifice of Christ and how that is sufficient. How we no longer need the sacrifice of bulls and just like verse 6 here, sacrifices and offerings thou did not, not desire, right? So let's go have a look at that uh, real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So right out of the gate, the writer of Hebrews saying, the law was a shadow of what was to come. And those sacrifices which were done within the law year after year had to be done continually. And they were never able to make the person perfect. Verse 10, for them would they not have ceased to be offered. So he's like, here's something obvious. Um, if they could do that, then they never would have been put to a stop, obviously by the death and sacrifice of Christ, right? For they would not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there was a remembrance again made every year. Again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls or goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hast not, hast had no pleasure. Then said, Lo, I come. Look, he's quoting from the Psalms. Then said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he says, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all right so we don't need a continual sacrifice anymore 
Christ's sacrifice was good enough one time. Right? Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And then he sat down at the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made a footstool. Here's an important thing to note when you're thinking about eschatology and you're thinking about the world. The Bible is very clear that Christ is now sitting at the right hand of God, and he will be sitting at the right hand of God until his enemies, he's made his enemies a footstool. That's all over the place. Verse 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Again, the writer of Hebrews just keeps making the point, it's one sacrifice forever. It's enough. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us that after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their heart, and in their minds I write them, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. What does the psalmist say out of the psalm that we just read? Verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. It's talking about the Holy Spirit and how that will guide you, right? Now, verse 18. Where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Okay, so there's never a need to sacrifice a bull or anything else. It's Christ's sacrifice, it's once and for all, and it's forever. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not, listen to this part, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's a scripture that many Christians do not want me to talk about because it kind of calls out those of us who have forsaken gathering together with other believers, whether that be in a church setting, a home group setting, whatever that may look like. At the same time, this is not saying go, that you have to go gather in a uh, corporate church body, but it is saying you need to be gathering and with other believers to strengthen one another, to you know, exhort one another in the faith, and you should do that all the more as you see the day approaching. So it looks like Jesus is coming back any moment, Right? You should be gathering with other believers, strengthening each other, exhorting one another, provoking other, each other unto love and good works. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Now, 26, here's a hard verse that we kind of have to 
raise our eyebrows at because it seems inconsistent with everything else we just read. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for judgment of fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Uh-oh. If we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of truth. How many of you have sinned since you've been saved? Uh, that would be 100% of us, right? So we got a problem here. What's the writer of Hebrews talking about? It says if we sin willfully. How many of you have ever made a choice since you've been saved that goes against what God would have you to do? That would be 100% of us, right? For being honest. For if we sin willfully. Here's what all the commentators say, and people like Matthew Henry say. They relate this verse back to another verse that we have an issue with uh, in Hebrews that if you don't understand the context of what's being talked about, you can struggle with. All right, so this is verse 26. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, a lot of them will refer back to the first time the writer of Hebrews says something like this, which he says back in Hebrews chapter 6, where he says it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good work of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to open shame. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, if you've tasted the light, right? You've partaken in the Holy Ghost. If you fall away from the faith, you can't be renewed to it at that point, is what he's saying. What's it mean to fall away? Does it mean to become a prodigal no it means in my opinion that you walk away from Christ you say I, you, for whatever reason you no longer believe it or in this case this is a book of Hebrews written to Hebrews I think it's dealing with they go back to Judaism like they abandon Christ as savior and they go back to Judaism like you can't be enlightened realize that Christ is the sacrifice once and for all and then decide that that's not how salvation works anymore. And you go back to your old ways. Or you just abandon the faith altogether. Now this is what the commentators will say about the verse that we just read as well. So they'll compare it to six, chapter 6. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Go back to our verse 26. Hebrews 10, 26. Give me a second to get there. And then I'll read the commentary from Matthew Henry on this. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of God, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Here's what Matthew Henry has to say. The exhortations against apostasy and to perseverance are urged by many strong reasons. So he's right out of the gate, Matthew Henry is saying his interpretation of this scripture is right out of the gate a warning against apostatizing. 
And instead of apostatizing, you need to be, you need to persevere in the faith. He says, the sin here mentioned is a total and final falling away. When men, with a full and fixed will of resolution, despise and reject Christ, the only Savior. Remember, the context of what's being talked about in Hebrews chapter 10 is that Christ is the final sacrifice once and for all. So to reject that, right? That's the sin that we're dealing with. When with a full and fixed will of resolution, despise and reject Christ, the only Savior, despise and resist the Spirit, the only sacrificer, and despise and renounce the gospel, the only way of salvation, and the words of eternal life. Of this destruction, God gives some notorious sinners while on earth a fearful, forbidding in their conscience with a despair of being able to endure or to escape it. He's referring to that verse that follows, verse 26, verse 27, because there remains no sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. That's what he's referring to. But what punishment can be sorer than to die without mercy? We answer, to die by mercy, by the mercy and grace which they have despised. How dreadful is the case when not only the justice of God, but his abused grace and mercy call for vengeance. All this does not in the least mean that any souls with sorrow for sin shall be shut out from... Listen to what he says. He's, he wants to clarify what some people may misinterpret about this verse. He says, all this does not in the least mean that any souls who sorrow for sin do you sorrow when you sin I personally do when I struggle when I fail when I make mistakes especially if I feel like it was just blatant obedience I have deep sorrow in my spirit in the least mean that any soul who sorrow for sin will be shut out from mercy or that any will be refuse the benefit of Christ's sacrifice, who are willing to accept these blessings. Him that cometh unto Christ, he will in no wise cast out. That is some good news, isn't it? Let's finish uh, Hebrews 10, only a few more verses, and then we'll be done for this morning. Verse 28, He that despised Moses' Law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment... Let me stop. I'm sorry. I just got to make this point. He's saying those, when those who were under the law, they would die without mercy if there were two or three witnesses of sin, right? Of how much more sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Here's what I think the writer of Hebrews is saying in a nutshell here. He's saying, if you think the punishment was bad for those who disobeyed the law, 
how much worse will the punishment be for those who despise the spirit of grace? Verse 30. For if we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But call to remembrance former days, in which ye were illuminated, you endured a great flight of afflictions, partially whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches of afflictions, and partially while ye became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyful the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. So the writer here, some think it's Paul, some think it's uh, Barnabas, uh, but we don't know for 100%. But whoever the writer is is saying, when I was imprisoned, I was in bonds, you gave of me your goods, knowing that in heaven you will have better things than the substances you have here. Verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence, which have a great recompense of reward. For if you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you, may you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But if we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul... Over and over and over, the scriptures talk about, and Paul talks about specifically, how you have to finish the race of faith. Those who finish, right? Christ even says this in the book of Revelation. If you persevere, with persevering what? Persevering in the faith. That's what you finish the race with. It's not, how many good works did you finish the race with? It's, did you finish the race believing? Did you keep the faith? That's what he's referring to. That's what he's to calling you to persevere in. Remain faithful. Trust God. Just like Abraham believed God and God counted unto him as righteousness. Do you trust God? Well, that, my friends, is all the time I have for this morning. And uh, it's one of those things where I had no idea we were going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Uh, I was just reading through Psalm 40. Uh, some things came to memory. I went and did the cross-references. Um, and that's how it comes about sometimes. People often wonder or, or they're curious why I don't cover a certain topic or why I don't talk about this or why am I not talking about that or... Usually, Lord willing, I try to let the Holy Spirit guide me in what we're going to talk about. And often what I'm going to think I'm going to talk about changes on the fly. And that's what's happened this morning. So I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you've been blessed, that you've been strengthened, that you've been encouraged. Specifically encouraged to stay fast to your faith. And trust God. And trust that Christ's sacrifice is enough. Thanks for listening, friends. Until next time.
God bless.